<clears throat> family and friends of Vera Reichert, Jesus speaks the comfort that we all need. Uh, people are so confused in our world today about what gives comfort. That's why you find uh, millions upon millions of people running after the material things of this world to give comfort. And comfort cannot be had by material things. Oh, they can bring a temporary happiness. They can bring a little smile on your face. But as soon as those things wear out or are gone or rusted away or in the junk heap or sent to the goodwill, the smile is gone. Because that void which every man senses, feels in his heart, can only be filled by the true and living God. And that is Christ who then fills the soul of the believer. He regenerates the soul. He gives new life. And He causes them to be content and to be satisfied with Him. You see, our world is not satisfied. People are not satisfied. We're not satisfied. We're discontent. We, we want more and more, and nothing ever seems to be enough. But the Scriptures teach us to be content in Jesus Christ, to be satisfied with God's provisions, because this world is passing away. And the lust of it, John says, those who do the will of God are those who abide forever. So make no mistake, when it comes to a funeral, uh, we all know that our day is coming. I mean, did you, did you notice in the hymn uh, that we sang, the first one that we sang, uh, the words of the hymn writer with regards to our life and how quickly it's, it's passing? Uh, stanza three, it caught my attention. Time is now fleeting and the moments are passing, passing uh, from you and from me. Shadows are gathering, deathbeds are coming, Coming for you and for me. Now, the, the pomp of the youth is to think that they won't die. Well, you were, you were at the gravesite. You saw one who was almost 105 years old, but she still died. Everybody dies. Unless Christ returns... We're all going to make the grave. Your life is fleeting. You are here today and gone tomorrow. Here's a little exercise for you. Uh, look up on, uh, you know, you Google everything, right? Google how many people die every day. And then do the math. And how many people die every second? I mean, it's staggering how many people die just Those three people that have already died in this world. Babies are being born, and they're being born you know, at, at, at a great rate as well. But people are passing while we're sitting here breathing. And yet you don't think about your mortality until you come to the funeral. Well, the scripture tells us that the living know that they must die. You know you're going to make the grave. Well, let me ask, what's your hope then? I don't have to convince you that God exists. The scripture tells us in Romans 1 that all men know that God exists. And if you were here this morning and you're saying, well, I'm an atheist, I don't believe, you're denying what you know to be true in your heart. 
You are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. You know God exists. And you know you are a covenant breaker. You have broken His commandments. You spurned Him. You don't pay any attention to Him. And yet you're still going to die. And you still must face Him. How will you face Him? As the catechism says, what is your only... Notice how personal that is. Your comfort. What is your comfort? While you're living and the day you die, what is your comfort? If it's in the things of this world, you're in sad shape. When I tell you, we'll boil it down to this. If it's in anything other than Jesus Christ, you're in deep weeds. You're in a sad situation. Because you are outside of the communion with the Lord and under the wrath and curse of God. And the moment that you die, you will drop into hell. And you will begin, at that point, you will begin to suffer God's just judgment against your sin forever. Now those in hell are going to come up out of hell because they are in hell in their souls. And when they come up out of hell, they will be united to a proper body only to be cast to the lake of fire forever. What is the hope then? Is it you making money? Is it you, I'm a good person? You're not a good person. Good is not a relative term in our community. Good is declared by God. And good has reference to keeping the commandments of God, which we all break every day. And many of us don't even think about it. We need a Savior. And Jesus Christ is that Savior. There is no other Savior. There is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. There is only one way, one truth, one life. There is only one propitiation, atoning sacrifice for sin. There is one. There is none other. God hasn't given ten saviors. You don't have a choice. Well, I'll take number three. No, this is the Savior that the Father has given. And if you don't come to Him, you will be cast out forever. And so Jesus, notice, He says in the text that my sheep hear my voice. This is in reference to the religious leaders of the day who would not come to Christ. They did not hear the voice of Christ. But Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. The Greek term there, akuo, means it just not in the outward ear. It reaches down into the soul. And when the word of God is preached, when Christ speaks through that word, his sheep hear. I have a friend who lives in Missouri, and he has sheep. He sent me a video one day, and he walked out to his pasture, and he started calling his sheep. Just simply calling out. And it was amazing how those sheep came running to him. Now, I'm a dog lover. I like that you have the dog here. I've, I've had my dogs here before. Members of the congregation probably don't know that. But I don't know what the dog's name is. But he wouldn't come if I called him. Because he knows the master. And that is with the believer. We know the master's voice. You see, if you came and you were telling me, you know, there's other ways to be saved than Jesus, that's not the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd is the only way of salvation. If you came to me and said, it doesn't matter how you live, it doesn't matter where you worship, just as long as you worship, that's not the Good Shepherd. 
Because we are to bow to Him and to Him only. And when you bow to Christ, you see you bow to no man. You bow to the Lord of the universe. When you are one who is in Jesus Christ, you don't have a fear of men's faces. You just simply speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may. And even as Jesus had said, what can man do to me? You can kill me. So what? That's the most that man can do is kill the body. And that's it. And the soul is immediately ushered into the presence, the comfortable presence, the blissful presence of the Lord. What a wonder. To be exactly where I desire to be anyway. But you can't even move apart from the will of my Heavenly Father. You can't even breathe this moment without Him giving you the breath to breathe. So Jesus says when He speaks, His sheep hear. And notice what they do. They, he says, I know them and they follow me. Now, knowing in Scripture is an intimate term. Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived. Okay, that, that's not, hi, how you doing? That's union. And that's what Jesus speaks about with his redeemed. We are in union with him. He is in us. We are in him. That is the blessing. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20. Uh, we also see Jesus as he speaks in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Every branch in me bears good fruit. Why is that? Because the life of the vine flows through the branches. We know him. If you hear his voice, and you hear the voice of Jesus Christ calling you, comforting you, then you know him, and he knows you. In that intimate sense. Not an acquaintance. You know, if, if you're a member of a congregation, well, you have an acquaintance with Jesus. You may have heard his name, you know, maybe not, but most likely you have heard the name of Jesus. But it's an acquaintance. You're not in him because you're not born of the Spirit of God. You may be a church member, but you're not saved by your church membership. You're saved by Christ and him alone. And that's the comfort of the believer, is being completely redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ, and knowing that you are in union with Him. It's not an acquaintance. You commune as friend with friend. You come to Him in prayer. You cast your burdens upon Him. You go through the time where a loved one dies, and we have had loved ones who have died, and we will have more loved ones that will die. And the comfort is to be able to come and cast all of our cares upon Him, knowing this, that He cares for us. When the world doesn't care. When it seems at times that nobody else even cares. You hear people say, you know what, don't bother me with your problems. i got enough problems of my own. I don't need any more problems. But Christ hears our prayers. Christ cares for His sheep. We even have the parable. When one strays, He leaves the 99 and He goes after the one. Because not one sheep can stray from His flock. Uh, that is the blessing of the Good Shepherd. So we know Him. He knows us. And notice the distinction between us and the world is that we follow Christ. We follow after Him. Now, you know, you can't follow after Christ unless you know the Word of Christ. If you don't know the Word of Christ, you don't know what to follow. To be a follower means to be a disciple. In the ancient day, 
uh, they would have philosophers, and as they would walk along the way, the disciples, the followers, those that were learning from them, would follow along and listen. And they would implement what they were taught. So that's what it means, a follower, a mathetes. It's one who was a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's one of the redeemed. It's a Christian. We follow the teachings of Christ. And why do we believe, as Christians, why do we believe that this is the word of the true and living God? Is it because some are more smarter than others? No. It's the convincing of the Holy Spirit. You want to know... If you're truly in Jesus Christ, you will believe from Genesis to Revelation that this is the word of the true and living God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That is what he works in the heart of the believer. It doesn't mean that you understand everything that's there, but you believe it as God's word. On the authority of Scripture itself, that it is the word of God. That's the convincing work of the Holy Spirit. And no unbeliever in this world can convince you otherwise. Because that's a change that is made in the heart by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You follow Him. I need to ask this question. I mean, there are a lot of you here this morning, I don't know. I've never seen. Some of you I know and I've seen, but some of you, I I don't know who you are. Are you in Christ? If you died this moment, what would happen to you? Do you know Him? Is he satisfied for all of your sins? If he's not satisfied for your sins, and you're not hoping and trusting and believing on him, well, I'm going to tell you on the authority of God's word that the moment that you die, you're going to hell. You're under God's wrath right now, and yet here is the remedy that's given. Come to Jesus. Are you weary? Are you one who is tired of, of, of trying to, to be this person that you're not? Are you heavy laden? Jesus said, come to me. I mean, it's, it's so profound and it's so simple at the same time. Come. Come, I'll give you rest. That spiritual rest. Where you're not putting on that facade any longer. You know what I'm talking about. Trying to act like you're better than you actually are because you know what your heart is like. We all do. We want to put on airs and act like, you know, oh, I don't do that and I never do that and I don't have that problem. It's just a lie. It's just a facade. That's the spiritual uh, that even those that are dead in their trespassing and sins are always trying to put on that I do this and I do that and look at how good I am. It's phoniness. It's fake fruit. It's what it is. Jesus says, you want rest? There's only one place to find rest, and that's Christ. You know, do you, do you ever wonder? You know, I had visited Vera numerous times. And being, you know, I mean, she, she was, it was pretty remarkable that at a hundred and some years old, you know, she's putting zippers in my hoodies. I, I couldn't do that, but it was pretty amazing. She had a standard, too. Don't come back here with zippers except from the co-op in Aurora. (laughs) Okay. She put them in. And you know when somebody's 100, I mean, it can't be long, right? We don't know many people 
You know, I think the average life expectancy for men has now dropped to like the low 70s since COVID. Women usually, you know, live a little bit longer than that. But anyway, you know that when somebody is of that age, it's just a matter of time. Do you wonder what goes through their mind? I mean, I bet you any of you that even visited her, did you even speak to her about death? What do you think about when, when tomorrow may be uh, that last moment that you, you have breath? Well, see, that's how foolish we are. Because it doesn't matter if you're one or 101. Your breath is in the hand of the Lord. You know, the scripture speaks about our life, Psalm 39, as a hand breath. You know what that is? That, that's your palm. That's a hand breath. And so we have an idea of we think of our lives as a, all right, I'm born, I'm right here, and I'm going to live to be about 80-something, so, you know, and I'm only 20-something right here, so I'm way over here. How do you know that your life will go 80 years old? You don't. How do you know that maybe it is that you'll live to be 27, 28? And so you think you're right here, but you're actually right here. Because our life is a vapor. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. You need to know Christ. You don't need to know things about him. You need to know him. So Jesus says, they follow me. And nobody gives them eternal life, everlasting life. Life that goes on, but it's a quality of life. Because in one sense, all, everybody who has lived from Adam until the last person that comes in this world, notice, all live forever. Everybody who has been born will live forever. The question is not in scripture of does every person live forever. The question is location. And the scripture gives two locations, heaven and hell. So everyone will live forever and ever and ever. And I can't even explain that to you. I don't understand it myself. Eternity. We live in temporal existence. Everything that we see and that we have to do with and we interact in a physical manner dies or wears out. It's temporal. This is time. I mean, I don't even know how to describe time without time. In every individual. Men, women, and children who have been born will live forever. Either in the comfortable presence of Christ who has redeemed us from all of our sin and misery. Or in the presence of hell and the wrath of God. Jesus gives his sheep a quality of life. A life what the scripture says we only have a small beginning in this life of this awareness of eternity. We have an awareness. We know there's something more. We all have that idea and that understanding. Uh, even when somebody, uh, they say we get away with something. Somebody got away with murder. Nobody gets away with anything. You might escape justice in this life, but not before the all-seeing God. The omniscient God. The governing God who governs all things. With all things are naked and open to Him. To the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Everything is open to Him. Christ gives us His sheep everlasting life. And He says they will never perish. Now, to perish doesn't mean that you won't die 
physically. It's appointed unto all men to die once and then the judgment. When the scripture is speaking that way and also in Psalm 121, it is uh, this, this death of perishing means you are not dropped into hell. You don't perish in that sense. And to perish doesn't mean you go out of existence. And we have that foolishness in our world too. We have it in the church today. We have this thing called annihilationism. That when somebody dies who is outside of Christ, they're simply burned up and they are no more. The Bible knows nothing of that. Jesus said that there is a place called hell where the worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. There is pain and suffering of the conscious existence of those rebels of God forever and ever and ever. That's horrible. And because it's horrible... The church wants to do away with it and be palatable to the world. You will never be palatable to the world. You simply speak the truth of God and let the Word of God, let the Spirit of God, let Him ferret all those things out. We are simply to bring the meal of God's Word and call men to faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The day that you die, will you perish? Will you be dropped into hell? Will you suffer wrath? Or are you one that knows Jesus? And because you know him, he suffered your hell on the cross and before. It was Christ on the cross that suffered for his people. He suffered, the the Heidelberg Catechism speaks of it as the inexpressible anguish, pains, and terrors of the cross. You remember Christ on the cross? Have you read the account in Matthew 26 of Christ being on the cross, crying out from the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he was forsaken for his people. But he suffered under that darkness, as it were, three hours of darkness that enveloped him. He suffered the wrath of God in the place of his people. The inexpressible anguish, pains, and tears of the cross. The believer will never know what that is. We will never be experiencing that inexpressible anguish, pains, and terrors of the cross. Christ bore that. So when you think about a believer dying, they die to sin and enter into eternal life. The body is left on the earth. The body is put into the ground. And it's there waiting the general resurrection when all bodies will then come out of the grave. And God will bring that body together again. He will bring the dirt and composition of that individual and He will bring them out of the grave and they will be united again with their soul and they will dwell in the presence of God forever and ever. The mortal puts on immortality. The corruptible puts on incorruption. And death is swallowed up in life. That's the promise we read in 1 Corinthians 15. What a promise. That the redeemed of Christ stand at the last day and say, Oh death, where is your sting? Oh Hades, where is your victory? It's been swallowed up in life in the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) What a great comfort. What a great joy. It almost puts this smile on your face in the midst of the struggle and the torment and the difficulty, the persecutions, the trials, the temptations of this world. You know, we, we're, we're, we're headed as the people of God to a wondrous place. And, and it's not the final place. We talk about that. Uh, dying and going to heaven. That is not the ultimate and the consummation of all things. That is what's called the intermediate state. 
That the believer dies, the body's laid to rest, the soul goes into the immediate presence of the Lord. A conscious existence. But that's not the ultimate. That's not the consummation of everything. What is it? It's the kingdom of heaven. It's heaven coming down out of earth. Remember John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and I'll bring you to myself that where I am, you will be with me also. The new heavens and the new earth come down out of heaven upon this earth and the whole of the earth will be the new heavens, the new earth, will be the kingdom of God where righteousness dwells. The whole of the earth. When Adam and Eve were created, God told them to be fruitful and multiply and fill up the earth. So the original plan God created them, that they were then to fill up the earth. It would have been the whole of the earth would have been the paradise of God. But because of sin, they were cast out. That kingdom is coming. Paradise restored is coming. Will you be there? Will you be in that kingdom, that paradise that is restored? Well, are you hearing Christ? Are you following after Jesus Christ? Are you denying yourself, picking up your cross and following after Christ? Are you one who resists conformity to this world? The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you are not conformed to the ways of this world. This world is bizarre in which we live. It is a bizarre world. And all the things that people come up with, it, just, it blows the mind. The wokeness of this world. What is that nonsense? Critical race theory. What, what is that? Ever heard of that at any time in my life? I grew up in Detroit. I played football with guys that were black. And nobody had a problem saying, well, it's the black guy over there. It's making a distinction. And they would say, the white boy over there. Well, you can't say that anymore. You, you can't have gender identities any longer. You know, we can't have Mother's Day anymore. It has to be Person's Day. What do you do when some of the brightest minds sit in front of, uh, um, uh, you know, being talked to about uh, what they believe and, and being, uh, what do you call it? Um, they were preparing them for an office. And the question was, can men have babies? What do you do when somebody's Harvard trained says men can have babies? That's the idiocy of the world that we live in. Do not be conformed to this world. And so Jesus gives us eternal life and we'll never perish. And notice, there's the comfort that nothing, nothing and nobody will ever snatch us out of the hands of Christ. Vera died, and her body was here on this earth, and her soul went immediately to be with Christ. She was one trusting in Christ as her salvation. She was trusting that Christ has satisfied for all of her sins, and therefore her entrance into the kingdom of heaven, it's not her works, it wasn't her great age, it wasn't her sewing ability. It wasn't anything that she has done, but everything that Christ has done. And you're either trusting one or the other. You're either trusting Christ 
and you're satisfied with the work that he has done on your behalf or you're trusting in what you can do and you are deceived. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is the call of scripture and you will be saved. Believing. If you're believing, you have faith. If you have faith, you're trusting. If you're trusting, you're following. If you're following, you're hearing. If you're hearing and following, you have everlasting life and you have been covered and clothed in the righteous robes of Jesus Christ. Never, ever to be cast out again. That's the blessing that we have as believers of those who are in Jesus Christ when it comes to the day of our death. Christ is the one who supports us and gives us the grace necessary to endure whatever trial may come when death comes knocking on our doors. Are you trusting? Let's pray.